people of Christmas. I hope you do as well. These, these songs just kind of oh, get me going when most worship songs do, but because it's Christmas time, because the lights are on and all that kind of stuff, we're kind of there, nearly there. It's less than two weeks. Sorry if that's a shock to you, but it's less than two weeks until those uh, prezzies get dished out. And uh, one of the reasons why uh, I love Christmas is because I love surprises. Um, it's usually a nice surprise. This year, this year might be different, but normally it's a nice surprise. But I love surprises. I've had one or two already. Uh, I had an advent calendar sent to me by somebody from the Cotswolds. It was lovely. One of those lint. Wonderful. Fortunately, my wife doesn't like lint chocolate. It's a great shame altogether. She's got swizzles and stuff inside her. Totally different. But, but uh, yeah, it's wonderful to have them. And, and one of the great surprises, of course, as you all know, is opening up that day, so the 12th. So exciting. I have not opened it yet. I decided I was going to wait until after this, but it looks kind of bigger than the one yesterday. So I'm living, living in hope for that. Um, so it's about surprises this morning. So I'm going to surprise you with something. Don't worry, it's not going to be disastrous if it goes horribly wrong or anything like that. It's not going to embarrass you, I hope. But I want you to do something this morning that we don't normally do. In fact, I don't remember doing it here before. Um, and I've been here over two years. But I want you to, to wave to people across the church that you haven't said hello to this morning. You, you can stand up if you like. You can do what you want. Do it. Wow. Isn't that I'm going to wave to the camera to whoever is watching. You are very welcome this morning. Thanks for joining us uh, at New Life. Hope you're going to be blessed uh, by what happens. Hope you've been blessed already by the worship as we have actually being in person. But I hope you've been blessed listening to it as well this morning. And I hope that's the case for uh, the rest of this sermon. Um, I'm going to um, maybe surprise you with a statement as well, but it's a true statement that the, the scripture verses we're going to read just in a moment or two um, are actually banned in three countries that I know of. In other words, banned from being used in liturgy, banned from being spoken out publicly in these countries. The countries are India, Guatemala, and Argentina. These countries have actually banned these biblical verses from being spoken out. So that's got your mind thinking as to what on earth could that be. Uh, and actually when we read them, you maybe understand why they've been banned. i just drop it in there for you this morning. We all have surprises in life. Um, you'll have had them, some great surprises, but maybe some pretty awful surprises. Things you're waking up to, things you hear, things you're told, things you read. Could be to do with your immediate friends and family could be much wider than that, whatever it is, but we can get surprised by things. We were surprised when our four-year-old uh, fell, had a playground accident down Air Beach. Some of you know this story anyway. And uh, fell off one of these helter-skelters at four years of age, crossed his legs at the top, and immediately fell over the side and went down like a torpedo onto concrete at that time was there. Um, we were surprised because we weren't with him. It was my sister who was with him and his cousin, and so uh, he was taken up to uh, the hospital in Glasgow, first of all the Seafield Hospital, and then up to the hospital in Glasgow, and we weren't allowed to go in the ambulance. Um, um, the anaesthetist had told us when we got there and started to speak to him, he said we actually lost him three times in the ambulance. I was a bit of a surprise, to put it politely. He's now 44, so he's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He, yeah, it was funny, he had a, there was nothing very funny about it to be honest with you, but he had a headache when he was seven years of age and we panicked. We thought, oh no, this is it. You know, three years on, 
something's happened now, but it was, it was a headache like most of us get. And uh, I don't know if he's had many headaches since, but anyway, uh, he's absolutely perfectly fine, apart from a few stitches. It's a bit of a badge of honour, actually, for him. I wonder if he's going to watch this, but anyway, he's got 27 stitches on his head. That depends who cuts his hair, depends whether you can actually see them or not. So he's very careful who he goes to get his hair cut, obviously. Um, but it could be something else. It could be a job loss. It could be um, something to do with your family. It could be health. Lots of things that take us by surprise, uh, and we, we, we always have a reaction to those. One way or another, we have a reaction to surprises in life, and our story is going to be about that just in a minute or two. So some of the possible reactions we can have, let me see if we can get this working. Look at that, that's amazing. That's as far as my technical ability goes. Um, we can have those kind of reactions, we can have doubt, doubt that, no, that can't be true, what I've just heard, that can't, can't be right, or when the penny drops with us, actually, that, that has happened, and fear can come within us. And we can even get anxious about some things that we've heard. These are, these are the unwanted surprises. These are not the surprises we like to hear about. But of course, we can have very welcome surprises. Your real joy, you know, much more than getting the advent card, real joy can come into our life. And we can get excited about some of those things that happen. We hear stuff and think, wow, that's amazing. And, and we might even be elated by it. That's a stage further on from just excitement. Um, this, this church gets very excited at times. And there's an amazing thing, I've been meaning to say this the last three or four times when I've been preaching, but if you sit up the back, as some of the, the press, the paparazzi are doing at the back just now, but when you sit up the back, um, you can actually see that this church sways. So when there's a real, the whole the whole church goes like that. Some feet don't even move, it's just the body goes. That's as far as I can move my body these days, but it's amazing, it's wonderful to see it. Um, so there's some lovely surprises, even within a church. But we can be excited by what's going on. We can be elated by, you know, even, not even, but the worship songs this morning just kind of lift us on to a different level. And, and I hope you've done what is often encouraged in this church, which is leave the baggage at the door. You know, let's not bring it in. We've all got issues. We've all got things that, you know, can take up our time and our attention. But it's good to leave that stuff at the door and come in just to worship the King of Kings. Worship Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We know that. And, and yesterday, some of us had the, the privilege of being in a, a revival prayer time. And, uh, and Kenny Borthwick happened to be there, one of our friends, and he, he spoke into the situation. And, and the presence of God was just like tangible. It was, it was wonderful to be there. And I've really annoyed a couple of folk this morning who said to me, sorry, I couldn't make it. Was it good? And I said, yeah, it was. Sorry. Can't say anything else. You know, well, I suppose I could have said, you know, see you next month. But, but basically, it's just amazing to be in the presence of God. So we can, we can get that sense of, in some sense, a surprise, because we're never quite sure what's going to happen uh, the second Saturday morning of the month. But yesterday was just quite exceptional. Um, I'm going to pick up something else just now, because it's been in my heart, and, and David actually mentioned it earlier on as well. We can, we can actually get really excited when we obey God. Just let that one sink in for a minute or two. When we are obeying God, we can actually get a real sense of excitement within us that, wow, I'm doing something that God is pleased with right now. Um, baptism is an obedience to God. It's not just about getting wet with our clothes on 
on a Sunday morning or something like that. That's not terribly exciting, really, to be honest with you. But what's behind it is that this is being obedient to God because he wants us to. Jesus did it. And I can say many other things about baptism, but what I really want to say this morning is, if Jesus did it, I want to do it. <laughs> That's obedience to following Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then being baptized is a further step of obedience to Jesus. I can tell you just now that I was preaching one Sunday morning and was talking about baptism, and it was a, a room um, at least double the, the length of this room packed with people and at the end of it there was a man who sat at the back always sat at the back because he didn't want to be seen he didn't want in, in some sense he didn't quite really want to be at church it was that kind of guy but he was there and at the end of the service he ran I mean ran he ran from the back of the church to the front to say Colin I want to get baptized I'm ready for that now I can think of a lady who was sitting second or third row in from the front on another occasion and, and it was an absolute rugby scrum because she was clambering over people's legs to get out. She couldn't wait. She was just you know, pushing people out of the way. This is a perfectly respectable lady in society. And she honestly, she was knocking people about the place to get out. She was so desperate to come to the front and say, I've decided I want to get baptized. I believe it's a thing of obedience. I, I got a letter passed to me, a little note from a couple in the church during a communion service and the note simply said, we've just realized that baptism was about obedience. We would like to be baptized. Baptism is something that pleases God. And not only does it bring a smile to his face when we do it, it actually gives a sense of excitement and elation to us because we're being obedient to what he's asked us to do. I hope that makes sense to some of us this morning altogether. I've got to tell you this story because it's... It's one of those ones that's indelibly printed in my mind. So we guy came to the church. I say we guy because he was wee smaller than me. Came to the church. He, he was homeless. Uh, he was literally sleeping on Air Beach. And somebody from the church was uh, speaking to him one day and said, listen, why don't you come to this church? We meet out at Dunfoot School. Why don't you come there on a Sunday morning? You know, people will just welcome you and you'll get a cup of tea and you'll get you know, whatever is going and so he did. He came along. He was, he was totally out of his comfort zone in terms of church. And one of the reasons I know that is because he sat, before the service started, he sat where get a Billy sitting just now reading his paper. It doesn't happen very often in church that somebody brings a paper to read in church. But he did. That was just what he did. He'd found a paper, brought it, started reading it. So he did that for weeks. And that was fine. Nobody bothered or shut with that. Even when I was preaching, it didn't matter. He was there. And he came to me one day after a while and uh, he wanted to find a bit more about this Christianity malarkey. And so we, we suggested an alpha course. He went in an alpha course, became a Christian through that. Wonderful. And then decided, yeah, I want to get baptized. Wonderful. So we went through that process. We actually in those days had a, a bit of a class. You know, Jim's going to meet you this afternoon if you want to get baptized for a wee while. We did it for about six weeks, you know, went through every single step of the journey, what you do, you know, why you're doing it, all that kind of stuff. And it came to the day of his baptism along with a few other people, and uh, it was great. Church was so excited to see people being baptized, including him. And as I brought him back up out the water, which wasn't very hard because he was so small, so it brought him back out the water. People were clapping and cheering just with real excitement. And he looked at me and he said, 
oh God, that's great. That's my third time. <laughs> As a pastor, you don't really want to hear that. <laughs> I said, I'd be obliged if you kept it to yourself. If you're not right. <laughs> it, we had gone through six weeks of a course. We had talked to him. We had listened to him. We'd gone, nothing had ever arisen about him being baptized before. I must remember to ask that question the next time I'm involved in stuff like that. But he was excited. We were excited. And, uh, well, God was praised because of that stuff. Anyway, let me tell you the context. Sorry, we're nearly there. I'm nearly finished. Never mind, you know, getting on to the story. Um, the context of the story we're going to read is just now like this. It was a massive, life-changing, in fact, world-changing event. And it was a massive surprise to the person involved. It was a teenage girl called Mary, and she was visited by an angel. She was fearful, <laughs> absolutely fearful, as we, we might well be as well, if an angel suddenly appeared to us and started speaking to us. She was told she was going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Amongst other emotions, she had doubt. How could this be? How could this possibly be? Again, ladies, you might say exactly the same if it happened to you. You're going to have a son. This was in the days long before 20-week scans and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have a son. She was anxious about that. His name is Jesus. In those days, parents often called their children after somebody in their family, either the, the dad or the grandparent or some relative. Or, there was nobody by the name of Jesus in their family lineage. That's what's going to be called. Excitement was beginning to build in Mary. He's the son of God that you're carrying. Wow. That's a different level altogether, beginning to be elated with all that stuff. And so she goes off to visit her relative, Elizabeth, who also was pregnant. And as Mary walked in the house, Elizabeth's baby, John, baby, John the Baptist, the baby started to leap within Elizabeth. There was massive excitement in that household. Even to the unborn child, things were happening in the spirit. Let's read it. Let's read the story just uh, that follows on after this. Hope you can read it. If not, it's in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. Mary responds to all of this by saying, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Can you get the sense of excitement within Mary? Elation that she had been visited. She had been chosen as a young girl to carry the Son of God into the world. Almost unbearable. The thinking behind that for her. Yes, she was excited by it. And so comes this song called the Magnificat. But there's more. The next surprise that happens 
is that Mary, this teenager, begins to prophesy. I don't know, we're not told if she had ever heard prophetic words. She may have read about them in the Old Testament. There's no indication that she was a prophetess, not at all. But she started to prophesy. This is what she says. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. You get the sense? He's filled the hungry with good things, sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abram and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Some wealthy people, some people of power, some people of influence, national influence, did not like what Mary was saying and prophesying about. Some of these folks thought because of their wealth, they were right up there and could get away with things. Powerful influencers in society. And yet here she was bringing a word about this mighty God that she was so excited about. She was bringing a word to say, actually, the humble are the ones that are going to be raised up. Not the haughty. Not the wealthy that use their wealth for power and influence. These are not the ones that are going to be looked upon with great favor by God. They didn't like it at all. So the countries of India and Guatemala and Argentina have embraced exactly the same attitude. We don't like that. That's not good for our national economy. That's not good for our ethos as nations to think that it's the humble, the poor, that are going to be exalted. We want the people of influence. We want the people of power. We want the people of money to be high up in our nations so that they can be seen to do things. So what we're going to do is we're going to ban these verses from being read. During liturgical services, these cannot be spoken. man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor, theologian, who was executed by the Nazis, called the Magnificat the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary hymn that's ever been sung, because it is. <laughs> you see, the reality is that God looks on us this morning and actually sees us as beautiful people. He sees us as people that uh, he sent his son to die for, to come into the world as a baby, for sure, and live a life, but also to die for. He sees us as those kind of people. And so, whatever is going on in your life, wherever you have been in life, whatever you've done in life, he's the one that's looking on you and said, you are mine if you become a follower of him, you are mine. And I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after you, as it were, with love, with loving arms. I'm not the God who's come to criticize you or to put you down or to cast you out of my presence. Actually, I've got arms wider than you could ever imagine for you. 
And I'm standing there, and there are so many stories in Scripture that back that one up. Not least of all, the prodigal son, as an example. Where the father's standing there waiting for the son, who's gone off, done his own thing, made a mess of his life, comes running back to his father, and his father goes running towards him. It's a great picture of our father God. That's who he is. So what was Mary's reaction to these surprises? I've just put it down as threefold. She was reflective, obviously, of all that happened. Part of the reason why she stayed three months with her relative Elizabeth was to spend time reflecting on what she had heard from the angel and what was happening within her own body in terms of uh, having the Son of God within her. She made a response. Her response, part of her response was that magnificent, saying, oh my goodness. Listen to the first few words. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That was her response to what God was saying and doing in her life. And then she worshipped him. That was her response. From the, the mighty one is holy, he's done great things for me, just pouring herself out in worship to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I've heard many great sermons over my years, and uh, some of them have come from here, which is wonderful. Um, people that have stood up here and, and have preached sermons and have really touched my heart and touched my life. I've got to tell you that I've heard sermons that, that haven't come from here that have been awful, and uh, some of them have been good as well. And I remember three sermons preached on three separate occasions by the same preacher. And the preacher took for the first week for his sermon uh, these uh, few words. First week was, are you ready? It's about this time of year. It's the beginning of December. And he said, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus this Christmas? We've been singing about it, that he's here, he's God, he's Emmanuel, God with us, he's, he's here. And we've been singing about it and we're celebrating his birth. All of that kind of stuff. But have we met him? Are we, are we ready to meet him? Because nobody in the Bible that met Jesus went away the same again. Never. They're always changed. And we're all about Jesus here at New Life, thankfully. It's all about Jesus. But it's not just the head knowledge. It's the the actual knowing Jesus is actually drawing alongside him, him drawing alongside us, getting to know him, talking to him, walking with him, sharing life with Jesus. And that's what I'm getting at about and what this preacher was getting at. Are you ready to meet Jesus this Christmas? That was, that was Sunday number one. Sunday number two, he got up and said, here's the theme for my sermon today. He said, are you ready? And we began to think, I'm sure as a congregation, there's a bunch of people listening to him as he lost the plot. He said that one last week, you know, as he just brought the wrong notes this week. Are you ready? And this time it wasn't, are you ready to meet Jesus? He said, are you ready to meet him when he comes back? Not bad for a Presbyterian church. Are you ready to meet Jesus when he comes back? Because he's coming back. He's been once. He's coming back. <laughs> 
And he's coming back for those who have said yes to Jesus. Yes, I follow you. Yes, I believe in you. He's coming back for us. And so the question preacher preached and asked us, and I'm asking this morning, is are we ready to meet him when he comes back? I'm taking a funeral tomorrow of a 93-year-old man. He was ready to meet Jesus. <laughs> there was no doubts about it whatsoever. Became a Christian when he was much, much younger. And he just knew where he was going. He knew he was going to meet Jesus. And if he had still been alive when Jesus came back, in the sense that we are still alive in here, at least I think you're still alive. Just check, check your pulse just to make sure that nobody's fallen off the seat just yet. But he, he was ready. I'm, I'm asking the question, are we ready to meet Jesus when he comes back? And the third week the preacher preached the sermon, and go and guess it, what he said was the theme of his sermon was, are you ready? Are you ready, he said, to meet Jesus today? In fact, he said, are you ready to meet Jesus right now? And he said, you know, I know you as a congregation, he said. And some of you have told me, yeah, we get it, we understand, we need to have that living relationship with Jesus. I'll do it when I retire. I'll do it when my grandchildren have grown up. I'll do it when, and so, the excuses or the reasons or whatever went on and on. He said, you know, the best time to meet Jesus and have an encounter with him is now. It's right now, he said. I wrote to him that afternoon to say, wonderful, just amazing. I said, I've got it because I know him well, I can say this. I said, you know, if that was a Pentecostal church, they'd be running down the front at that. They'd be saying, yeah, bring it on. But it was Presbyterian and it was Scottish and it didn't happen. It was never going to happen. Well, maybe it would, but it didn't happen there. But the question's great. Are, you, are we ready? Are we ready to meet Jesus? This Christmas, when he comes back, today. <laughs> None of us know our lifespan, and that's not to be morbid about it. None of us know what's going to happen. This whole COVID thing has just like accelerated the notion within many people in society, believers in Jesus and not believers in Jesus, that actually this might just hit me and I could be gone very quickly. I'm not saying that as a scare thing. That's just a fact. You know it as well as I do. But none of us know what's going to happen. And so the question I think is so relevant. Are we ready? Because we can be by saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. Yes, I want to do what you want me to do in life. Paul the Apostle says this to the church in Philippi. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lots of great things had happened in Paul's life before this particular quotation. But he's saying, you know what? I actually count them as garbage. That's one of the translations in the Bible. I count them as rubbish compared to get to know Jesus. But actually, I want to forget what's behind me. And I want to move forward. I want to see even greater things happening. I want to press on towards that goal for which Christ has called me heavenwards. Here's my question, final question for you this morning. And it's simply this. 
What's new for you in 22? Sorry, I woke up at 3 o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Couldn't get it out of my mind. You're the first recipients of a bit of a cheesy quote. It's fine. Perfect. You're welcome, Willie. You're welcome. But it's a serious one. What's new for you in 22? Are we going to set off for the same old, same old? Which might have been good. Are we going to set off for that? Or are we saying, wait a minute. I want to be, I want to be really ready for Jesus. This Christmas, when he comes back, even today, I want to be ready. So I want to get my life in order. And I want to see new things happening. New things happening. In my life, in my sphere of influence, in the church, in Scotland, as we were praying yesterday. I want to see new things happening. So what's new for you in 22? I hope you'll be able to answer that by reflecting by responding, by worshipping. Because that's what Mary did. And she had a massive surprise. This might have been a surprise for you this morning. I'm so glad that I didn't see anybody running out when it was announced that I was preaching. It was wonderful. So it might have been a surprise. Or it might have been a surprise just hearing maybe what God's had to say to you this morning. Maybe God said things through the worship or even through the preaching. Let's be open to being surprised by the power of the Spirit in our lives and in our church. Guys, please come up to get ready to lead us in our final worship song. And as they're doing that, let's pray together just now. Father, would you go on surprising us with the Spirit of the living God? Would you go on surprising us with the things that you're doing and saying? Would you go on surprising us by speaking to us individually, the mighty God of heaven, speaking to individuals like us? We bless you that you do that. Bless you that you've been doing that this morning, Father. Whether in person, whether watching at home, would you go on surprising us and we for our part, would we be ready to respond to Jesus in a fresh way today and in 22? We pray it as we bring our morning worship to you now in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.